Welcome back to Powered by Her. I'm Tiffany Anton from the Biz Foundry, and I have Simone McKelvey in today. I don't know why that's such a hard thing for me to say. Um, with City Girl Soaps, welcome to the Powered by Her set. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. This is cool. It I is, love your set. It's it's a good uh, good time. And mm -hmm. um, so, tell me what City Girl Soaps is. So, City Girl Soaps is my naturally scented soap business and also personal care products where I use only essential oils, herbs, and spices to fragrance and color everything. And the city is because I'm originally from New York City. And which is interesting here because yes. this is not city. <laughs> not at all. So I've kind of gone country. Yeah. I mean, I've, I was born and raised in the Bronx. And so when I tell people that I make soap now, it's sort of funny because, you know, I grew up in a 16-story high-rise building. I lived on the seventh floor. I was raised my entire life until going to college in New York City. So to now live in a rural place and then to be making soap is kind of funny. And rural Tennessee too. It's not right. like you're, I mean, I grew up in Michigan and there's some rural areas of Michigan, but mm -hmm. it, rural Tennessee is different. It's very different. Now I had to stop in Virginia in between. So that sort of, it wasn't such a shock to the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's very different than where I grew up. So growing up, were you more into natural kind of, I mean, I wouldn't think that a girl in the Bronx was worried about, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, kind of just saying um, natural and essential <laughs> oils kind of thing. It was kind of like, no, we're going to, you know, buy whatever's on the corner store that, you know, we're going to wash our hair with whatever, you know, we wash our hair with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, actually the natural shift happened probably seven or eight years ago. And it was around the same time where I made someone, I like making things. So I've always been a baker. Um, you know, I've liked learning how creator. to do new things. I've been a creator. Yeah. That's right. And so it just sort of, the soaps and natural care products sort of just filled that desire already where I already made stuff from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so um, it started out as I made it for a gift or, or sorry, I made it as a gift for the person that I was seeing at the time. And so um, I laugh because although that didn't last. <laughs> the relationship didn't last. Right. But the, the right. business idea did. Exactly. And so it started out as just a gift and then it ended up turning into something that it is now. And I've been making soap for about seven years. So my business has been in existence since then, but I would say I've been more focused on growing it in the past maybe three years. Why, wh what made you think I could do this as a business and not just, I'm gonna make this for, for loved ones? Because it's me. Like I, what's funny is that I don't do anything halfway. And so instead of just saying, oh, it'll be a fun hobby, it's like, well, why don't you make this a business? Yeah. And so it's just it's just my personality. You just have I, that drive and that grit yeah. that I got to keep going. And, I, and, and I just have an entrepreneurial spirit. And in my former profession, I was a high school Spanish teacher. And so when I was doing that, I had done sort of a stint of translation services. And so that was my, I had made up my little brochure and I was making that available was to people who wanted Was that your first um, jump into kind of having your own business and, and understanding pricing and getting clients and getting mar and marketing material? Was that kind of the first I, thing? I think that was the second thing. My first idea, which never got up off of the ground at all, was on um, 
offering mini fridges to college students and like renting them to them. Yeah. But I think I was, you know, there were probably tons of other people who had had that idea. And so because I didn't have a large variety or um, a large inventory, that never got up off of the ground. <laughs> I think it's really that the whole, like there's so many things about college. Um, there's some business, I, I think I listened to it on a podcast, uh, where this guy does laundry for people. He oh, goes, wow. it, for college kids, he goes and picks them up. and That's and, incredible. And, and he started at one university and he's kind of moved around. And so it is interesting how you can start something at one university and move around. But um, mm -hmm. so what do you think about growing up in New York City that kind of gave you that drive to, you know, or about your upbringing, not necessarily New York City, but what was it that gives you that grit to just like go do it? And Yeah, I think my parents, um, my mother and father worked really hard and it was never in my mind that I wouldn't go to college. Like that was just always a given. It wasn't necessarily that they even pushed me or my siblings in that direction, but it was just sort of, you knew that there were certain things you needed to do to be able to succeed. And not that everybody needs to go to college. And I work at a university, so I, I know people will want to slap my hand for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that if you are, if you know what you want to do, and that requires a university education, then you should absolutely go for it. I don't think anyone should um, deter you from doing that. If you know what you want to do, and it doesn't require a university education, then you should go for that. Um, and so for me, my I'm parents- I'm gonna stop and say, oh, yeah. if you don't know what you wanna do, you don't have to go to college. Because <laughs> that's, I think, what 16, 17, 18 year olds, that's kind of what society is. I think there's a shift a little bit now and, and not to, to undermine working at the university, but I think it's just that like, oh, well, that's just the next step, no matter what, what you're thinking. And if you don't know what you want to do at 18 years old, it's okay. And I think that it's hard sometimes because I think that that's not societal norms is that it's okay not to know. So well, I think it's okay not to know, but I work with undecided students. So one of the things that I think, because I love my university, I really do. Um, one of the things that I think, one of the things that I think is really important is that if you're undecided that you take that journey of exploration and that you're talking to people and maybe you're job shadowing. And if you're at the university, then you're talking to your advisor and you're um, doing assessments so that you can figure out what you're good at and what the things are that you value so that then you can then apply that to a major or a future career. Yeah. Um, so I have to give kudos to where I work because I do enjoy it. And I think that is beneficial, but Yes, that is true. You need to know what direction you're trying to go in so yeah. that it's not a waste of your time right. and money. And then, and then you get frustrated and you're, you know, yeah. it's a waste of time and money. And then you're like, now I'm 23 and I have debt and I don't have anything to show for it. So yeah. it, it's, a, it's a difficult balance. I love to know that there's resources for undecided students mm -hmm. out there. That's really um, beneficial. And I hope that that we will see some changes in even the high school level to, yeah. to, to foster that. Cause I think there's a little bit, um, I get on a soapbox about education sometimes. There's a little bit of like, okay, you have to pick a career path when you're in eighth grade and right. that's where you're supposed to go. And it's like, I'm not doing, I used to be a high school teacher as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing anything in the education realm right now. And 
I'm just as happy as I was when I was a high school teacher. Right. So I think that it's okay to kind of have a journey and a path. Yeah. And I think it's okay for you to do career changes. And I think that's one thing that college students need to know too, is that you may get your degree in one area and then you decide, you know what, after 10 years, I'm going to make a shift. I mean, I did that. I was not in higher ed until probably 2007. Prior to that, I was a middle school, well, first I was an elementary school teacher, then I was a middle school teacher, then I was a high school teacher. So I sort of did all that of the stair crazy. steps. That would, yeah. That's so much, such different type uh -huh. of students. Oh, yeah. I'm not an elementary school teacher. So what made you just <laughs> decide to pivot? And so you, your City Girl Soaps for you right now mm -hmm. is what people would say is a side hustle. Yes. Um, uh -huh. And I think that's all relative, whether it's a side. Uh, to me, that just means you have another job that, that pays the bills mm -hmm. um, for the most part. And so what made you pivot to, to go into higher ed? Um, I got tired of being in the classroom, quite honestly. I mean, if you're a classroom teacher, you know that it's exhausting. You're could you imagine doing it right now uh, this year, the pandemic? No, no. not at all. Nope. Well, and then to top it off, it, it doesn't seem like it, but I'm an introvert. And so you learn how to do what you have to do as a classroom teacher because you're in front of people every day. So you learn how to fake it, um, but it's exhausting because you're giving, 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 and you know, introverted you don't have people. Type to recharge your batteries. Right, yeah. exactly. So I decided that it was time for a shift and I still wanted to do something with Spanish, but I didn't necessarily want to do it in front of a classroom. And so I shifted to higher ed and I was their bilingual education support specialist. So I worked with Spanish speakers and other international students at the higher ed level at a community college. And it was actually at the beginning a 30 hour per week position. So I wasn't full-time initially. And then I shifted to a full-time academic advising position at the same community college. And so I stayed there for a couple of years. And then after that, I was hired at a four-year university to be their advising. I was their advising professional. So I did professional development. So I got to use the knowledge that I had from teaching to apply that to faculty advisors and giving them professional development and then making sure that our advising system was working really well and students were getting what they needed. So it was kind of a combination of what I had done before in this new area of advisement. And so I did that for almost a decade. And then I guess two and a half years ago, I had this opportunity to come to Tennessee Tech as their director of advisement and retention services. And so now I look at not only how advising is going, but what can we do to keep our students? And why do we lose them when we lose them? Are there things we could have done differently? And so looking at that background data and talking to students and all of that. And then I've had a recent shift where there's a brand new um, first year advising center that opened on our campus that I'm in, and I'm the director of that as well. How do you think that having uh a day job affects your business. A bit, it's exhausting. Um, one of the things that I have to, and I've said this to people when I've talked about having a small business as well as having a day job is that you have to give yourself room to rest because a lot of times you're burning the candle at both ends and then sometimes in the middle. Um, and there are times where I'm like, okay, I can't do this. I have to say no to this, even though I think it's a great opportunity. Um, lately, I feel like I've been saying yes to a lot of things. And sometimes you have the space to do that. 
But well, it, and and yeah, it, and when you're growing your own business, there is no one there but you. Okay. And so it's a lot of pressure on you. And so every opportunity is like, well, what if this is the opportunity that's going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And so that weight on an entrepreneur is just extremely heavy. And so that in itself, and, and you're, I, I find it interesting. I think there's really two types of entrepreneurs. I think that there's kind of the serial entrepreneur that just loves the, that, the having their own business, doing their own, and I think that's kind of you. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and I think that there's some people that are just really passionate about this one thing. I'm really mm -hmm. passionate about, you know, helping people with their, you know, knee replacements. And so either one, um, people come into entrepreneurship in different ways. Um, and I think it's really interesting. And, and, and you being the serial entrepreneur and just wanting to grow a business and kind of figuring out which one fits you and your lifestyle, but then also having a career and you built a career along this journey too. Yeah. And I haven't always done it well. Like one of the things that I regret is I started my business when I still lived in Virginia and I was in the Southwestern part of Virginia. I lived, I worked in Lexington and I lived in the town next door called Buena Vista. Um, it took me six months to say it the way that the locals do, but <laughs> so it's like Lebanon. <laughs> that's right. So when I started the soap business, I had a lot of local customers because I did farmers markets and I still do that here and festivals. And when I moved initially to Tennessee, I did not do a good job of like continuity and saying, Hey, everybody who used to frequent my farmers markets table in Lexington, I'm moving now. And so that's, that's sort of been a so do you learning you, experience. You also too. had to rebuild your mm -hmm. brand and your, your, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, and that's hard. And in the day and age that we're in, you don't necessarily have to lose customers. You can, mm -hmm. I mean, the 2020 has shown us that you can do most everything in your career online. Right. Um, but it takes some forethought and planning to say, okay, I'm going to, how am I going to retain these customers? And and then adding that element of shipping pe to people that you might not yeah. have shipped to people before and, right. and all that kind of stuff. And I think if I were to, and I'm not planning on moving right now, but if I were to move again, I think I would do it a lot better because now I have those things in place. You know, I already had a website, but it wasn't that people were really using it very much. Now that has seen an uptick and that's exciting. And so it will be a lot easier now if I were to shift locations for people to still reach me and get to me and for them to recognize me. I was not big on social media back then either. And I'm not great at it, but I'm better at it. So, you know, I have Facebook and I have Instagram and I'm not quite on Twitter yet or well, some of the others. So speaking of, of social media and a website, and you've had this business for about seven years, mm -hmm. the, the things have changed a lot and yes. you've had to grow um, your knowledge base, I'm sure, of not necessarily knowing how to run or build a website seven years ago and, and things that technology, technology has just changed. Yes. So how, where do you get the support or the knowledge to figure out kind of all those how to market, you know, uh, on social media? Well, I mean, Google, you can learn anything on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I actually learned how to make soap originally by looking at a YouTube video and from some encouragement that I got from a former supervisor uh, when I was at VMI. And so that that is neat. I think that's one thing that we have that benefits us is that you can basically do a search for almost anything and find tutorial videos. 
asking people, having conversations. I think uh, I, I yeah. sometimes stop to think, how did people build a business 20 years ago? There was yeah. no Google. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, my kids will even more so not understand the world without technology. I mean, right. I at least understand what dial-up internet was. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, it just blows yeah. my mind sometimes to think about those things. And uh, the approach has to change. Like, the businesses, I think, that thrive and that are generational, where they continue to grow, you know, grandpa did it, and then dad did it, and then now grandson does it, is they have to be adjusting to the time that they're in and figuring out, you know, okay, what does my approach have to be now? Especially, Um, I mean, I kind of mentioned 2020, especially in 2020, that's what, what, entrepreneurs have, I feel like that the biggest takeaway is, is like, if you don't pivot, you're going to die. And so you got to kind of change with the times and no one ever would have ever thought a pandemic would have happened or affected the world the way it did. And, and, um, but I think it was such a, I'm probably alone in this, but I think it was a great opportunity yeah. to learn like, okay, well, what's important in your life? What's not important? What's important in my business? How can I reach people in a different way? Mm-hmm. It was such a growing opportunity for people. Right. And then not making the business the main thing. And I know that seems counterintuitive because it's important to me. Yeah. I want it to grow. I want City Girl Soaps to be something that is like a household name in a number of years. And I don't know what that number is yet. But um, at the same time, making sure that I was taking care of myself and, you know, taking care of the people who are important in my life, especially during the pandemic, um, when you're trying to keep everybody healthy and everyone has a different approach to doing that. And some people maybe have a, a less enthusiastic approach to just the, I guess, guidelines or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it, but just, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, it just, it's, it, it was, I mean, I think it, it has been an interesting year, um, of just trying to figure out kind of, and, and I think too, you, you know, you, you have been, you've seen other areas of the country. And so even just that my family's in Michigan and, and the way that Michigan handled a pandemic as opposed to Tennessee has been very different mm-hmm. and, and very interesting to, yes, yes. um, to do. I want to mention that we had a diversity panel um, that you were on and we talked about you being a black business owner and kind of the effects of that on your business. And let's, let's touch on that. Like, what do you sure. think that, how, how does that affect your business? You know, I, it's so funny because this topic has been sort of in the forefront of my mind lately at work. It has been in society because of the yuck stuff that we've seen happen, mm-hmm. um, which is not new, but unfortunately, um, I guess more visible or we notice it more when things are not just that happen. So I'd say that when I interact face-to-face with a customer at a table, that I have not had any bad experiences. Now, I don't know what anybody's thinking of well, why is this black girl making soap? You know, yeah. I don't know whether or not it's that's... kind of a country thing, right? Yes, right. Um, but you know, it's I think one of the things that we all need to be realizing is that there's so many things that we have in common. You know, I love making stuff, and whether that's cookies that I really shouldn't be eating, or you know, a cheesecake that I made for the first time a few weeks ago or whatever, like there are things that we all have in common and we need to be seeing that. So yes, it's maybe a little odd for you to see an African-American woman who's making soap, but 
if you probably go back in the day, I can probably find somebody in my family who made soap yeah. back well, in the day. And one of the things during that diversity call that you mentioned is that your family your sisters kind of called you the, the white black girl. Right? Yes, of, yes. Of like you were too white for your family, but you <laughs> know, right. in some culture, you know, communities, situations, you're yeah. not black enough for people, you know, so you, you've had yeah. some kind of uh, exploration, I guess, trying to figure out where your place is. Right. And I think the older I get, the more I appreciate just accepting Who Simone. You are. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, I, I don't talk like a lot of, black people think I should talk mm. and I don't talk like a lot of white people assume I'm going to speak. You don't white. talk like a real country girl. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, I don't even still have my New York accent that I had before, except for certain words. So, and I don't know why that is other than the foreign language background and that I sort of tune my ear and speech to where I'm at. Sometimes um, I'm hoping I get rid of my Michigan accent. <laughs> right. But what's so funny is that my younger sister has more of a New York accent than I did. And she lived less time in New York than I did. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. I think it's just that I'm unique. And you're Simone. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and there are sometimes I think all of us struggle with just who we are and like, Maybe I should be more like such and such. Or, I think that's a woman you know, thing in general. Like yeah. Women are always going to think they should be more of like her or her. Or, right. You know, they're, right. we're our own worst critic. And so yeah. I think I, I like the fact that you said as you've gotten older, mm -hmm. you kind of just lean to this who is who I am. And I yeah. think that's um, I try and um, I try and do that in my own life of like, OK, let's just. I embrace this is yeah. me and I, I'm not going to be any different. I'm 38 years old and this is it. Yeah. And then the other thing too, that has been a help to me. So I'm a Christian. I became a Christian when I was 19 and having that relationship with Jesus has really made it so that I'm like, you know what? You made me a certain way. Mm -hmm. And there are good things that you put on the inside of me that are very different than the, the people that are around me. And I don't want to squelch that. Like, like God puts unique, really special, cool things mm -hmm. in each of us mm -hmm. and we need to embrace that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think age has put a polish on being able to be a little bit more self-accepting. Yeah. So in the last seven years with City Girl Soaps, mm -hmm. you've kind of, I'm sure there's been ebbs and flows and yeah. mountains and valleys. Um, anytime that you've thought I've, this is a lot, this is draining on me and it's taken away from, you know, really raising your career up. Yeah. Um, thoughts that you thought, maybe I should just shut this, this down. And uh, only briefly, I mean, my thought was Simone, why did you have to make it a business? Why didn't you just stick with it being a hobby that maybe sometimes you did at, you know, festivals? Well, because I'm Simone and because, <laughs> because, because that special little yeah, thing that God put in you. That... <laughs> exactly. Because I want it to grow and I want it to be huge. And I, you know, I'm thinking long-term and because I like options, you know, when I was a classroom teacher, the good thing was that I had the skill of being able to speak Spanish and be bilingual. And so that opened up another opportunity for me when I didn't want to be in the classroom anymore. And in the same way with my business, because I just, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, if at some point I decide that I want to move beyond higher ed or that I want um, sort of a not 50-50, but maybe now 60% of my time is spent with the soap making business, 
that I would be able to do that. And I, I just like the opportunities that this has opened up for me to have options where if I want to change my life on a dime, I could. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been kind of exciting. My, my mother jokes and she says, you're a gypsy like your grandma, you know? <laughs> because I, you know, I've talked about, well, you know, it's not that I'm not fly by night. I'm not flighty. I'm not um, flaky in the things that I do, but I can adjust and make changes. And so I lived for nine years in Southwest Virginia, very, not West Virginia, but the Southwestern part of Virginia. And um, I was there for almost a decade, so nine years. And then I made a shift. And, you know, some people would say, well, once you buy a home, that means that you're going to stay in the area that you're in. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It means that a home can be sold. <laughs> you yeah, know, so yeah. I just, I, it means I, I'm not paying rent to somebody else. Right. You know, and it's just my personality is that I think that options are always good and that you should never box yourself in. Yeah. to being one thing. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, I, I, I had said with a guest earlier, um, about building the life that you want. And mm -hmm. so building whatever that looks like, raising your career up, raising your business up right. and just building it to where you want it to be. So you, you started with soaps and you mentioned maybe that you're doing some right. other products now too. So, so how, why did that come about? Usually it was because of a customer. Someone said that they were looking for something or I saw a need. So we're in the pandemic. I said, you know what? Some of those hand sanitizers really smell yucky. I feel like I'm drinking alcohol. Like right. I feel like I could get drunk. I'm smelling. I tell you. Yeah, it's horrible. So I actually made a sanitizing spray and that actually, the, the name for that actually came from another customer who's in Virginia, um, Nakia. She actually buys my products for her, her um, hair salon, which is called Eubora. And I, I may be messing up the pronunciation. But um, I originally called it hand sanitizer. And she's like, Simone, that's sanitizing spray. She's like, I use it on doorknobs. I use it on everything. And I was like, you know what? That's right. Yeah. And the first ingredient is vodka. So I thought, you know, it, it, people can use this. They're going to sanitize the surface or their hands. Yeah. And it doesn't smell yuck like some of the other yeah. products have. Or, and it doesn't have that sticky sensation that some of them do. And so that's been one thing. Bath bombs is another thing bath, that I've started I don't even, making. like, bath bombs just came out of nowhere in the mm -hmm. last year. That's right. And then I, I realized this is actually one of them. I don't I don't make these, but um, there is a bath bomb now that has a ring in it. And this is one of those oh, rings. Wow. Wow. And someone gave it to me. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. But I just make regular bath yeah. bombs, but again, fragrance with essential oils. And then another thing that I did recently was um, beard oil. And this actually came out of another local business owner um, who owns Cultured Image Grooming Studio, Terrence Page. Which, which was from the yes. diversity call. That's, and that's how I met Terrence. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Terrence is awesome. And his business where he is looking at grooming the whole guy. So mm -hmm. he's not just a barber, but he's looking at all of their skin. And his idea was to come up with a beard oil. Now he is going to produce that himself, but it gave me an idea. And I started working on it before I realized he was going to just go ahead and, and do it himself. And so I was like, well, let me try this and let me try that. And so that's been kind of exciting to dip my toe in that a little um, well, but, and I would guess uh -huh. that most of your clients or your customer base right now is female. 
And so that kind of gives you a whole different realm of, of right. potential customers. But I'll tell you also, I've noticed that at the farmer's market that there are guys coming to the table. And when they walk up with their wives or their girlfriend or whomever they're with, I encourage them to smell some of the fragrances that would be appealing to them too. Mm -hmm. Like there's one called Stolen, which I modeled after the oil blend Thieves. And that's why I call it Stolen yeah, yeah. because it's the same herbs and spices, but I make it, I make that recipe. And so when I see a guy come to the table, I'll say, smell that because it's a spicy kind of blend and it's something that they really enjoy. And I want them to know that City Girl Soaps is not just for girls. It's yeah. not just for women. It's for anybody who cares about what they're putting on their skin. Yeah, that natural elements to mm -hmm. it. So where do you see this going in the next five, five, 10 years? What, what's next for wow. City Girl Soaps? Well, I wanna definitely expand on the classes that I'm offering. So for the first time since I've moved, I'm offering a soap making class this Saturday. And I'm offering it from two to four over at the Walnut Street Market, which is also Cookville locally grown. And so I've had a few people sign up for that. So I'm super excited just to kind of teach them about soap making 101. What are the do's and don'ts? Um, what are safety precautions that you want to take? Because anytime you're putting things together and there's going to be a chemical change, yeah. you have to have some safety precautions. So we'll, we'll be wearing masks and we'll have goggles and all of the things that we need. But I want to expand on the educational opportunities that City Girl Soaps offers. So you're kind of bringing both worlds together. Exactly. The education world with yeah. your soaps. And that's awesome. That's right. great. And then I'm always learning. And I think that that's what we need to be. We, we need to always be learning. So I'm listening. I enjoy audiobooks anyway, but I'm listening to an audiobook on essential oils because I use that as my way to scent all of my soaps and other products. And just learning about the health and therapeutic um, benefits of using essential oils just in your everyday life. And so I'm excited about just learning new things. And I've been making soaps with essential oils for seven years, but I've learned new things yeah. in, in listening to this audiobook. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and how you can take that to your customers. Right. Um, and maybe we'll see you doing City Girl Soaps full time, not to, you know, <laughs> not to put anything out, speak anything into existence, but well, I'll tell you that in, I'll say this, in four or five years, I would love to have the option to do that. Now, whether or not I, I do it, we'll see. Yeah. But I want that to be something that I could choose to do in yeah. the next handful of years. That's awesome. So how can people find you if they want to find City Girl Soaps, order from you, find yes. you, um, you know, smell, smelling products, how can they find you? So 24 seven, you can find me at citygirlsoaps.com and you can order any place in the um, continental or non-continental uh, United States. I will ship there. Um, if you want to pick up local, you can order online and then select local pickup because I, I have... Um, I set up at two different local farmer's markets. I'm at the downtown Green Market on the corner of Dixie and Broad. I'm also at um, Cookville Locally Grown or the Walnut Street Market, mm -hmm. which is just up the street from Bros. Yep. So I do both markets once a month and then again, 24-7 if you want to order online. Do you have social media that people can kind of see what your products look like? Yes. Um, I'm at citygirlsoaps. Dot, well, sorry. At City Girl Soaps. Thank you. At City Girl Soaps um, on, Instagram. on Instagram. And then also I have a Facebook page where they can just do a search for me. 
for for City Girl Subs or Simone? Um, you know what? Both. Okay. Um, they can find me if they just search Simone McKelvey and it's M C K E L V E Y, or they can do a search for CityGirlSubs.com and I have a page for that as well. That's linked to my personal account. Great. Go check out CityGirlSubs.com. Come see Simone, smell her, her awesome smelling soaps. Um, thank you so much for coming in today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Hear your journey. Well, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and you can uh, find the next Powered by Her episode coming out soon.